Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. So here we are, Smith and Jones in the book club basement. I never, I never watched Smith and Jones actually. Which Bitcoin. is the best one to be? I think they were both funny. Were they both funny? Good. Yeah. Obviously, if I was Smith, I'd be the funnier one. Um, so we're on Never Split the Difference. This is the fourth week that we've been on it. It is. Um, I quite often get a bit bored of some of the sales books. I haven't with this one. I've loved this one. Really good. I've really, really enjoyed it. If if somebody rang me today and said, I'm listening to Book Club. It's been one of my favourites that we've read, you know. If you, yeah, definitely. Um, so we're into the final film, chapters 9 and 10. We've never split the difference. Yeah. You know, it's, we're here. What have you enjoyed about it so far? I'll tell you what I do like about it is there's some good practical stuff that you can put into use. Yep. Uh, for me, one of the best chapters has been, I think it was called Bend Their Reality. And it was a little bit mind trickery. And the Jedi. Yeah, and the example trickery. that he used was in one of his classes he gave out $10 and said you've got to split that but between two people, but it's got to be even. Somebody always gets the hump because one person gets $4, one gets 6 and he says to the one that goes 4 yeah, but you didn't, you didn't have $4 a minute ago, so what's your problem? And he's got that kind of stuff in it. What I do like about it is... He challenges the language that you'd use. You know, we were talking about the word why and why, and, and that yeah. being a bad word. So that was very interesting. Um, I like the fact that he talks about labeling emotion. Uh, I like the point where he's talking about getting to the word no. So that was very interesting. And he was on about the yes set questions. So that was a really important part yeah. of it. Overall, he's quite an interesting man anyway. You know, you'd have a beer with him and have quite a good time, I think. I think he'd be great value over a couple yeah. of scoops, wouldn't he? Yeah, I won't go out with him twice. I think just once would be enough. <laughs> and then once you've heard one hostage negotiation, you've heard them all, I think. But um, Do you reckon uh, it could get a bit boring after yeah. oh, here comes Vossy and his hostage stories? You've told us that one, Voss. <laughs> but actually, the other thing, that the most important thing for me is that he really thinks very carefully about using words. Using words and listening. Yes, but he just is listening actively mm, okay i think it, it, you know uh, you know i've campaigned long and hard mike o- over the months you know it's over well i think this is about the 13th 14th month now we've been doing book club we've been doing it for well over a year um and you know that i have a real personal thing that not enough people talk about active listening because i truly believe it's the killer app in a salesman's armory. And what's great for me, and one of the things I've really enjoyed about this book is he really does get into the active listening part of it and also the use of language, careful use. Careful use of language. Of, of language. And not enough of the books we've read allude to it. Yeah, there's a lot of the books aren't about it. You know, The Wolf of Wall Street, he didn't listen to people, did he? He didn't care. But that's his strategy. Yeah, yeah. So he had one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Chapter nine, bargain hard. 
Yeah, he's got his example of buying a Toyota car. It made me, the first thing about chapter nine is it made me question the extent to which I've been bargaining hard enough with some of my own customers. Yes, I can see why it would. But everybody, everybody, it's a human nature thing is too worried about losing, aren't they? Yes. Particularly, in, particularly as a sales guy, because you can have a little bit of something or nothing. Yeah. And, and he talks about trade-off. He talks about people being accommodators, assertive, or analyst. Oh, this what type you I didn't like this bit. Why? Because I didn't really think I was any of the types. Well, what was interesting was I wrote here, I found myself skipping the analyst because it's so not me. I put you I down, almost I put couldn't... You down as I put you down as a, I actually put it look, it says this is JG. What? Assertive. Yeah. And that's sort of your character type. Absolutely. I don't think of any of them. And I, I sort of almost couldn't even read about the analyst type. I actually sort of didn't want to read about people like that. Because that's just so not me. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like his typecasting of the people, actually, I must say. Yeah, accommodators want to remain friends with their counterpart. Do you know I often when we're talking to people and and I often see people at the at the as I call it, the scene of the car crash, they'll often refer to customers as friends. You get that a lot, yeah. And and, and then I went on his stag do. You get that and a lot think, with salespeople saying that. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't um, it? That, and the, the basis upon which they've won and loads of business has been, the, I built a great relationship. I often do but, wonder whether that's actually true. Because if somebody rang in and say whether that was true or not, I don't think it is. He's a friend, bloody blah. They're not friends. They're customers. Friends and yeah. friends. Yeah. As, as, as somebody once very famously said, a, a wealthy guy who I know who sold a company, um, he's a rough, fast lad made very good. He once said to somebody uh, in, in an argument over some business dealing they'd had to get together, he went, business is business and friends are friends. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what did Jerry Maguire say, Johnny? It ain't show friends, Jerry. It's show business. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then he talks about... Uh, each of these groups views the importance of time differently. Time equals preparation. Time equals relationship. Time equals money. He's, um, he wants you to type the individual that you're selling to so you know how to sell to them. I think, yes. there's, I think there's good value in that, but I just don't like the, his category of person. Really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my issue here is, if you type people, it's my issue about the whole psychometric thing. I mean, I'm dealing with a client at the moment where they're, to say they're obsessive about a certain type of psychometric profile is just unreal. I've never, I've never experienced it in 20 years in recruitment, how exacting they are about people meeting this specific profile type. I know who the client is, and I do agree with you, but if you were them... They're a market leader. Yeah. Yeah. So who's wrong? Well, it's you. They're, they're obsessed with this specific type. Yeah. Um, but equally, I've I, I found, and we've been, you and I have been obsessed with the specific type when we've hired for this business. And what you end up with is a type. Yes. And that type is only good at selling to a type. And what I'd rather have is flexibility. Well, I think Drucker had it right. What was that? He said, hire a person to do a job and don't worry about anything else, any of their other facets. Man to do the job. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then he talks about taking punches. He does. Go on, talk, us about, talk to us about that, Price. Uh, it's all just standard stuff that everybody says over and over again, don't they? Don't yeah. you think everybody says the same thing, quotes the same thing? Oh, it's the Mike, it's the Mike Tyson quote. 
God, that was ah, one of the most every oh, single, flipping in, used quote. In every single book we've done on Book Club, somebody quotes Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until they get smashed in the mouth. Yeah. And most people misquote it. Uh, so, so, you know, what I think about it, be prepared and then be prepared to not be prepared. He talks about this zone of possible agreement, which is where the sellers and buyers zones cross. Say Tony wants to sell his car, won't take less than five grand, and Samantha wants to buy but won't take more than six. The Zopa runs from five to six grand. Yep. Zone of possible agreement. Some deals have Zopas and some don't. All very rational. Also, you'd think. And then he says, everybody has got one until they get smashed in the mouth. Um, and then what he's basically saying is a well-prepared negotiator who seeks information and gathers it, you're actually going to want the other guy to name a price first, which we've already talked about. We've already talked and disagreed about that. Uh, heartily. Um, uh, and then he says, successful negotiators often say no in one of the many ways we've talked about or deflect the anchor with questions like, what are we trying to accomplish here? Responses like these are great ways to refocus your counterpart when you feel, you feel, feel you're being pulled into the compromise trap. Yeah. Or you can say, directly say let's put price off for let's put price off to the side for a moment and talk about what you would what would make this a good deal yeah i mean i quite like that yeah what else would you be able to offer to make that a good price for me great really good and then I, and then where it started getting um uh, proof must be that's right yeah the bit that really got me thinking was punching back using assertion without getting used to it i really liked that bit I think your offer is very reasonable and I understand your restrictions, but I need more money to put on a great show for the school. He's talking about this guy trying to do a, a show for his MBA program. And what it did make me think about is perhaps talking, sometimes clients try and beat us up and saying, for example, uh, I think your offer is very reasonable and I understand your restrictions, but in reality, we need more money to be able to provide a great service for you. And I'm going to start using some of that. I've, I've got to say, it's what it's made me really question is, how good it has been some of my negotiation. Well, it's a book about that, so it should. Yeah, it's got me really It's a testament thinking, to a good book, got me it? really thinking about it, about uh, real anger, threats without anger, strategic umbrage, not being needy, having the ready-to-walk mindset. I think that's massive. But yes. the bit for me, the biggest takeaway is what he calls this Ackerman bargaining concept, Go which on. is basically... That. Uh, this is the bit of my, the big takeaway out of this chapter for me personally. Set your target price. What page are you on? 206. Set your target price or your goal. Part two. For me. Set your first... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so did like set, that. So it's a system. It's got four, four key steps. Set your target price. Set your first offer at 65% of your target price. Calculate three raises of decreasing increments to 85, 95, and 100%. Use lots of empathy and different ways of saying no to get the other side to counter before you increase. When calculating the final amount, use precise non-rounded numbers like 37,893 rather than 38 grand. It gives the number credibility and weight. On your final number, throw in a non-monetary item that they probably don't want to show you at your limit. And that, I thought, that's probably in many respects one of my biggest takeaways from the book. Is okay. Because it's so clear and systematic. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I uh... I don't know much down that take from the book, but actually page 206 was in there, actually. Yeah. You know, here's another one. He gives this example of this lad negotiating a rent cut after getting an increase. Yeah, and yeah. It, and he asks this, I thought this was a great question. So please help me understand, how do you price these lease renewals? I thought, that's so simple. How are do you Do you actually believe it? that example? It's just a good example. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think it's a real life story? Who knows? 
You know, he, he, what he's he's doing is he's exemplifying the, yeah, the yeah. situation itself. And so that's really good. I got a lot out of that chapter. That Ackerman thing for me really hit the spot. Okay, chapter 10 is the black swan. Okay. What's a black swan, Mike? The black swan is the bit of the information that you don't know. Um, it's a bit bigger than that, isn't it? The black swan symbolizes the uselessness of predictions based on previous experience. Black swans are events or pieces of knowledge that sit outside our regular expectations and therefore cannot be predicted. It's the surprise, isn't it? I think it's a piece of information that you don't know based on the information that you have. Yeah, so he gives this really sad example about this guy who they were negotiating with in a hostage situation, but actually... What they didn't know was that he wanted to get killed by the police. That he was committing suicide by police. Yeah, yeah. And that actually he didn't care to negotiate one iota. What he really wanted was for a sniper to pick him off and kill him. And that's what happened to him. And that's what happened to him. And the black swan was actually that he was in a different place. A piece of and, we, and we do get that, uncovering the unknown unknowns. I think he's really key about really looking and, at what's and here's really one going on, the underneath stuff. Do you, I mean, as we've said a few times about Chris Voss, he had a very, very narrow pipeline, so he had to find the black swans. I can't decide whether it's worth finding the black swans or whether just ignoring them and getting some more stuff into my pipeline. So do you focus, 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 focus on your deal, work out what the black swan is and win? Or do you just think, oh, to hell with it? If it's going to come in, it's going to come in. There's always some information I don't know, so bugger it. If it's going to come in, it's going to come in. And I'm just going to have that much in my pipeline. It doesn't matter anyway. Because I'm a fan, as you know, of the second half of it. I sit somewhere between the two. I sit in the second half. It's the right thing to do. But I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I think you sleep better for it. Probably. I think you sleep better for it. I think Metaphorically. As a, met, I, think, I think as a salesperson, you sleep better for it. You age less rapidly for it. I think worrying about the black swans. That's what I mean. He has no choice but to worry in, about the black make, swan. Ma I think making your deal life or death. Because actually, oh, if I don't get this deal, I'm screwed. I think that's bad. I think it's bad. But what if actually you get, because the point you're trying to make is you haven't got the time to sit there worrying about the black swan on every yeah. deal. What, what, what if you can triage it to some way have a guess? Because actually the, the, reality, the reality of life of a £1.2 million target made up of 50 grand deal values, you which got, is you, what, you, 20 deals a year? Yeah, let's well, just say. yeah 60 a year. But you, you haven't got time to find... 60, 60 deals in a year, what's that? Five a month? Exactly. One a week, or whatever it is. Have you really got time to worry about the black swan in every deal? No. Actually, because you've, you've got... Because to do £1.2 million made up out of £50,000 deals, how right. many is it? One point two fifty. Is it? No, it's not. It's... 20, 24, 24 deals. It's 24. 24 deals, two a month, yeah. right? To do two deals a month, remember, you've probably got to have eight deals per month in the pipeline. Mm -hmm. Or have two deals a month and worry about the black swans. Yeah, I mean, I just think that the former is the better option. What, the eight, the eight deals yeah, a month? Yeah, because what this book obviously doesn't say, and why would it, because it's not a book about this, is, is if you're aiming for two deals and you can find out all the information you can, what you're not taking into account is what if something happens to that client? If he gets run over by a bus tomorrow. Or if the client gets booked. Yeah. The, I'll tell you the bit that I think 
is a is a little bit of a gem. It was in the previous chapter. Is this no neediness having the ready to walk mindset? People with big pipelines just walk away. Walk away. Whatever, mate. Turn we'll, it down. We try to beat me up. All right. Well, let's not bother then. Yeah, exactly. And they have a subconscious swagger as a negotiator, which he hasn't picked up on here. Well, why would he? It's not. He's not, he can't he, walk he, away, he's not can an he? enterprise software salesman. But, but it's not just that. He can't just go, I'll tell you what, we'll just kill the, oh, kill the hostages. Bollocks, then kill them. Bollocks, I don't care. I'll tell you, you kill them, then I'm going to kill Whereas a top-class enterprise salesman develops this subconscious swagger. Of course they do, yeah. An, an enterprise salesman with a fat pipeline that's flying has this swagger when he walks into a negotiation. And it's often not an arrogant swagger. No, it's just practical. It's just practical he reality. Exudes, he just exudes something. She exudes something. It's practical where reality. Actually, as a negotiator, the other guy, the other side, oh, yeah, 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 we're going to do this. Oh, all right, okay. Sorry you feel that way. Well, I'll and, tell you what, a lot of confidence it is, and a, it's, the, it's the end of the quarter thing. You know, the, the client's phoned up the sales guy. Can we get it? Well, well let's get this in by the end of the quarter, shall we? And the yeah. sales guy's going, nah. Yeah, it's all right. We'll just wait next year. It's fine. No, it's all right. We'll put it into next year, mate. What? We'll put it into next year. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Don't 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 rush around. No, don't Sorry, stress you yourself. Out on my yeah. part. Don't stress Take yourself. It nice we'll do easy. it next month. Yeah. <laughs> and it's but that. obviously obviously Chris Voss can't say that. No. And then you're not worrying about your black swans, are you? Correct. And the black swan thing I was reading. And thinking, you are worried. And it might be. It's not so much worrying or obsessing or focusing. It's more. Oh, I wonder if there's a little black swan in here somewhere. Maybe there is. I wonder what it is. Go on, Rich. That. Rather than, oh, what's the black swan? We're sat in a pipeline review with your boss going, what's the black swan? What's the black swan? What's yeah, the red yeah, flag? Yeah. You don't know it. There's a red flag you don't know about. And I think that's the point you're getting at, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And, and those Although black Although it does say here, on page 236, get FaceTime. The black swans, you can read them so much more easily sat opposite somebody. Yes. And there's a, and I also think sometimes when people come out with some of these sort of black swan things, sometimes people come out with things that are a little bit odd. And I remember when we read Sandler and some of the guys that are massively passionate advocates of Sandler will say, it's an interesting thing you've just said there. Why, what is it that's made you want to say that? Why have you said it? Why did you ask me? And I think that's very powerful. That, yeah, well, that's a real Sandlerism, isn't it? I can't remember. This one was a submarine. It, 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 one of the a key Sandlerism is why why are you asking me? I can't remember. I can remember reading the book. I didn't think much of it. It's interesting you asked me that. Why are you asking me that? Because often actually it's the black swan, right? Fair and you're unco you're uncovering what this guy would refer to as the black swan. Um, fas fascinating for me. This different types of leverage, positive leverage. Yes, uh, negative leverage. Negative leverage. Just great. Uh, as effective negotiators have long known and psychologists have repeatedly proved, potential losses loom larger in the human mind than do similar gains. Getting a good deal may push us towards making a risky bet, but saving our reputation from destruction is a much stronger motivation. Some really fascinating stuff there here. And then he talks about metaphorically knowing people's religion. Yes. Get, but that comes back to the whole point about listening and really listening. What, and what he's not necessarily saying is are they Christians or Jewish or... No, Muslims. he's not bothered about that. He's saying no, their religion. Well, you, no, is this no, one where you use his farmer as an example yes. that plants a bomb or yeah, a bomb? Absolutely. The, the, the veteran uh, who was an ex-veteran and a devout Christian, and then he uses that language of Christianity as a phrase as a well, phrase. Didn't, didn't a researcher in the background find something to do Correct. with Jesus came out the desert after four days or something yeah, to do with that? Yeah, and, and then they use 
his Christianity and a point in Christianity as an example. And it Use it as a metaphor to and get it completely of- unlocks the guy. Yeah, yeah. Which it is. It's it's true. It's and it's not. That's not. And what he's not talking about here is I like fishing. You like fishing. No, he's not. I I like Arsenal. You like Arsenal. That's not. That always irritates me. That kind of thing. Well, we know that. We, I mean, we've talked about that on so many episode, episodes of Book Club, mm, haven't, mm, haven't we? Mm. Um, and then he talks about religion as a reason. What's that bit? Oh yeah, I thought that was really good. Just really useful. This. Research studies have shown that people respond favorably to requests made in a reasonable tone of voice and followed by a because. In a famous study from the late 1970s, Harvard psychology professor Ellen Langer and her colleagues approached people waiting for copy machines and asked if they could cut the line. Oh, that's right. Sometimes they gave a reason, sometimes they didn't. What she found was crazy. Without her giving a reason, 60% let her through. But when she did give one, more than 90% did. And it didn't matter if the reason made sense. Excuse me, I've got five pages to copy. Can I cut the line because I have to make copies? I thought, I'm going to try that with a gatekeeper. Yes, be a good thing to do. I'd like to speak to so-and-so, please, because it's Thursday. Good idea. All right, well, why do you want to speak to him? Because it's Thursday. I'm going to try it. Why would you not? I'm going to try it on a gatekeeper. I'm not that desperate to get hold of, so I don't end up with a complaint. But I am going to try it. He also mentions another book called Negotiation uh, Genius, which I'm going to read by Deepak Malhotra and Max Bazerman. Um, and then he also gets uh, human nature. Mistake number one, they're ill-informed, uh, where people mess up in negotiations. And mistake number two, where people are constrained. What he talks about a lot here is people operating with incomplete information appear crazy to those who have different information. Your job when faced with someone like this in a negotiation is to discover what they do not know and supply that information which is all really fascinating stuff. And it goes back to, have you given up on finalizing this deal this year? Like that. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Get FaceTime, I think is really important. He's saying, look, I just said, yeah, yeah. If you're negotiating stuff, it's easier to figure stuff out, isn't it? I think this is important. Well, it's easy to find a black swan. Yeah. That's when you sat in front of somebody, you you can just spot the incongruence. And and, and, you know, when I was training as a therapist at one point, uh, one of the things somebody always taught me is, um, I had one tutor called Mark Wake used to say, it's the doorknob comment that's often the most incom- important comment of the session. I do agree with that. Slightly different to this, but I do, you're absolutely right. Uh, and oft, uh, for example, often when, even when you're a Sam, it's the same thing, isn't it? It's a little throwaway comment. Or maybe next summer I'll tell you about the abuse. Where you're like, don't go. Yeah, yeah. It was but actually, that's the whole black swan to the whole problem. Well, I think these two things are, are related, actually, which getting FaceTime and then spotting incongruence when it doesn't make sense, there's sense to be made. Yes. I think you can see when a lot. When it doesn't add up. You just sat there thinking, this just isn't right. What isn't right about this? You get it a lot with sales guys, clearly, who are telling you how successful they are. When you sit opposite them, you can see that they're not. With their chewed fingernails. and their... Chewed fingernails, looks knackered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a top guy, I'm a top guy. I, I, yeah. And you can just see it a mile off. An absolute mile off. Oh, I think it's quite interesting because we meet a lot of people. Oh, what was your target last year? It was 1.2 million. Right, 1.2 million. How much did you earn last year? Um, well, that's slightly different. That's the incongruence of information, isn't it? Yeah. I when quite, it doesn't make sense, there's sense to be made. I quite, I quite like um, when we meet people online. And because we do book club, a lot of people talk to us about books. Yeah. They meet us in their home office. They tell me how into books they are. Then I look at the bookshelf and think, doesn't look like you are. 
You've got a, and there's all well, those they're, play, bits. they're playing the I like fishing, you like fishing. Correct. Attempt to build but you rapport, can, but they're not really. But building you can rapport. do that. But then you read into that and you go right. And then when they come further on down the CV about how did you win that deal, I built a great rapport. You sat there thinking, you did. Yeah. A favourite line I've got in here is, are we really afraid of the guy across the table? I can promise you that with very few exceptions, he's not going to reach across and slug you. Yes, yes, I like that as well. It's a real favourite of mine, that. It's so Well, Jacob true. Spencer used to say, he's not going to punch me down the phone. Yeah. He was right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so I'm going to leave you with one request, whether it's in an office or around the family din dinner table. Don't avoid honest, clear conflict. It will get you the best car price, the highest salary, and the largest donation. I think, you know, there's a large part of this final chapter in The Black Swan is one, find the black swan, but two, grow up her. Yeah, and confront the black swan. Confront it, look at it in the eye. Yes, that's and what you're talking about. And grow up her in general, really. As a yeah, but not person, in an aggressive way. But no, I bet, as but, a business person. But I bet he's very passive-aggressive, I would think, as a man. Don't be afraid to confront what are actually some really tough bits. And then he gets into the key lessons, which are... let. Let what you know, your known knowns guide you, but not blind you. Every case is new, so remain flexible and adaptable. Remember the Griffin Bank crisis, no hostage taker had killed a hostage on deadline until that guy did. Black Swan's are leverage multipliers. Remember the three types of leverage, positive, negative, um, and normative. Work to understand the other side's religion. All great stuff. So we've finished. Mark's out of 10, Pricey, as we always do on the way home from rugby. Seven. Seven for you because? I liked it. I thought it was good. Right. Um, I did. I, I think I'm good. The, the one. I tell you where it loses points for me. Go on. Um, it's a. He has a good. It's a good um, linkage between this and sales. Other than the fact that he's got a one item pipeline. I think there's part of it. It just falls down on that. I think actually never split the difference. Yeah, that's great and everything. But there's forty thousand IT salespeople. Thirty five thousand of them are splitting the difference. They're making plenty of money. Actually, yeah. he would argue you could, but you make, but you by splitting the difference, you're leaving money on the table, and you could get to your target a shitload. And those quicker. salespeople would argue, yes, but I wouldn't have won as many sales because actually, the sales are price driven. I think the other part, and is, I'd rather take a hundred grand out of margin out of him, a hundred grand out of margin out of him, correct. than sit here trying to get three hundred grand out of margin out of him, whilst actually I could have been out on the road getting hundred grand. I, th of margin I think out of your sales. point, you know, I very rarely listen to you, but I, <laughs> but I think your point about. The fact that this isn't scalable is very accurate as well. You cannot recruit to this. You cannot train to this. You cannot hire to it. You can train it. You can spend money on... You could ring Chris Voss and get the Black Swan Group in, and I'm sure you will get some behavioural change out of your sales team. But can you scale this kind of thinking? No, I don't think so. My experience is no. I don't think you can. But do I like it as a book? Should somebody read it? Yes. It's and will you be a better salesperson and negotiator for it? Shit, yeah. Hell yeah. I think it's a good book. It's really one of the book. best ones we've done on Book Club, Pricey, I have to say. Yes, I completely agree. It's right up there. It's what, the, what, uh, say, in my top two now. Oh, I was going to say my top three, actually. My top, top my top two is Combo Prospecting, Tony Hughes. Uh, is in mine, yeah. And this? What would you be the third? Because these make my top two. I agree with that. What would be my third? I'd need to think about that. I'm going to put a Drucker. Oh, really? The effective executive? I hated reading Drucker. Good book, but though. Every, but every point he makes is Bob on. Yeah, good man. Yeah. And that is the end of another book club. What's our next book? Uh, do you know what? Lauren, what's our next book? Amp up your sales. I already don't like it. 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm already down on it, though. Is it also coming on, Lauren? Oh, good. Nice one, Johnny. Maybe he's not anymore. Or maybe, the, maybe, maybe Chris Voss will show his face and we'll do a, a, an extra episode. Uh, Chris, if you're watching, come on the show. Defend the fact that we don't think it's a hostage. Yeah, we're we're not taking you hostage. We don't want to have to defend the fact that, or come and defend the fact that actually it is a scalable. What what would you give out of ten this book? You didn't answer my question. Oh, I didn't ask you it. What would I give it out of ten? Seven. Well, you get the same as me. Seven. It is getting a seven from me. Where does it lose its points? It gains it. I love the stuff about listening. Yeah. I love some of the practical stuff that we get at the end of the book um, that's usable. It's very usable, yeah. 100%. And you know I like usability. I think it drops it on my own knowledge of the animal that is a salesperson and the archetype, which is I wonder how many people will really swallow this and practice it and apply it and how scalable it is in a big enterprise environment as a methodology. Fair enough. So that's it. You can't, I think you can't grow a business. You couldn't get a load of 25 year old recruitment consultants. Think, oh, I'm going to turn them into ACE negotiators because there's too many factors that aren't scalable. And that's the bit that bothers me. So it's a personal thing. So actually I'm going to revise and put it an eight because it's more of a personal issue than a, an operational observation. Okay. Right. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of book club. Remember to give us a review. Goodbye. Goodbye.